Hey, we're up to 13 followers on TikTok. I've been trying to like make something, uh-huh. but I have no idea what I'm doing. Just have fun with it, Nico. Keep your clothes on though, or take them off. You know, some people really like that on that app. Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me, of course, Nico Williams. No, not Nico Williams. <laughs> Nico, we just have to wait. train going. We, we just have to talk at the same time, okay? We have to talk in unison. We've become one co-host. Is, is there a way to combine you two and just merge you into one? What, do you want more guests? Uh, like more hosts? Like you can just combine people? I mean, that would be an interesting uh, sci-fi experience. Maybe that could be a topic. Like, who would be the best co-host? What would you call it? Like a uh, mutant? Yeah, just <laughs> a, a hybrid. Yeah. Let me let me fix this intro. Nico Larson and Dylan Williamson. Good evening and good morning. And that would be an interesting topic. And I actually meant to do pluggables in the beginning this time. I wanted to shift to how we do things. Uh, because I'm actively working on a project. So if you're listening to the pod, thank you. We'd really love it if you wanted to reach out, connect with us on Twitter. We're the Hoops Temple pod. Uh, connect to us via email, hoopstemple at gmail.com. We're also working on a project. So if you want to be on the pod, or at least have your voice featured on the pod, please uh, go ahead and send us a voice clip. It doesn't have to be high quality. It doesn't have to be anything special. Naturally, the better the quality, the better uh, my editing work will be. But send us in of, you know, why you got into the NBA or why you love the NBA. Uh, we're going to work on something and hopefully put it out in the next few weeks. Also tweeted us what combo NBA player would make for a great guest. I also did hear some rumors that Nico might be taking his clothes off on TikTok to um, promote fake trades. So keep an eye out for that. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> but I won't rule it out. I mean, <laughs> I hear if you show a little skin, like that's that's how you really get the followers. I wear a remake tonight for you guys. So, well, someone who might be showing a little bit too much skin is that not a fair transition? Zion Williamson looking kind of heavy. He's got a delay in his injury return. There's been reports that he fell asleep in a film session and has been kind of aloof during practices slash rehab work gentlemen what is new orleans to do what uh what should they do i mean big question that should that should definitely start planning for next season because this season is definitely a wash there's no way they can compete without cyan committing to this team but maybe it's time to consider whether or not cyan is part of the future yeah i mean the, the tough part for them realistically is that Zion is the future and they're only going to go as far as, as he can take them. But, you know, being aloof and practicing in film, not really healing or rehabbing properly or probably not dieting correctly. They're all such, such you know, negative signs of like everything together that results in a NBA draft bust, um, injury prone, not committed to the team, not committed to the game. That's sort of all the, all the telltale signs, which is very con- concerning for, you know, Zion who was sort of you know going to be the next face of the league almost the trouble is that like even if you did say okay well this is just not going to work with zion like he doesn't really want to be here he's got all these injury concerns it's time to you know we should just move off of him and, and rebuild around someone else if you move him now like you're going to get such a low return compared to what 
you would have got previously or what you could get in the future if he if he shows to be anything. And so there there aren't really a lot of options other than, like you said, this year is just a write-off. If you can get some value for a guy like Valentunas, you do that. You know, your your team, you don't have to try to lose games because they're, they're doing it very well on their own. So um, you can get another high draft pick and, and continue to build. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation. I wonder if the Thunder might be able to get in and make a play for him. You know, they're, they're a team with enough draft capital that it, it's worth trying, right? If the Pelicans are going to try to move off of him, then the Thunder are kind of the, the team that makes the most sense. I feel like what the what Dylan said is kind of the most sensible way to go about it. Zion right now, his value got to be plummeted. In terms of getting value out of this situation, I think the most wise decision would be to trade away any asset that you kind of don't have any value in keeping such as Jonas Valanciunas so so like try to what do you say scramble just get what you can get for, for all the pieces you have this season and and, and kind of retool for a uh, comeback season for for Zion would you move off Brandon Ingram then I mean it's tough Brandon Ingram has been looking pretty good but I won't say that Brandon Ingram and Sion has been like a match made in heaven. I mean, I wouldn't hate them going away from Brandon Ingram, trying to get some pieces that fit better with Sion. But then again, like, what are you going to get for Brandon Ingram? I don't know. Yeah, theoretically, he's an upgrade in Memphis um, if they could give up like Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain for him. But yeah. both those guys have been playing so well this season that, I mean, maybe he's not even an upgrade because... Bain has single-handedly kept my fantasy team in it uh, through a lot of injuries. I could really appreciate uh, Paul George getting healthy again. So could I. I think this kind of, um, you know, if we're talking about moves that the that the Pelicans can make, we can sort of transition onto our next topic. And one of the most bizarre phenomenon, I think, that we've seen in the NBA is that for some reason, NBA GMs just don't really like Miles Turner. On paper... And I think in reality too, like a, a defensive player of the year caliber guy who can also space the floor, that's like exactly what you want next to Zion. And and supposedly David Griffin just had no interest in trading for him. But if we were to start making moves, you're moving away from Valentunas, maybe even from Brandon Ingram, that guy's very available and he's a perfect fit. That should be the the you know, the first move that they they should be making. I mean if I was GM of the Pelicans, he'd he'd already be on my team, like this is such a no-brainer that it, it, I just don't understand why Griffin and Danny Ainge too. Like he he could have had him and just just wasn't interested. Why these GMs just don't want Miles Turner? Miles did say that he was kind of tired of his role in in Indiana as like a uh, kind of a you know role player, I guess. Like he's he's got the uh, defensive job, and other than that, he's just like a shooter big role guy and he wants a bigger role maybe gms are kind of worried that miles want a role that he kind of don't have the skills to like fill you know what i mean like he's going to be trying too much yeah his perception of himself doesn't necessarily match with reality i was thinking a little bit about um uh, dylan something you said about about robert covington and about how robert covington is like a great defensive player, not because he is uh, good at actually defending his man, but because he brings great help defense, gets in lanes, and like can provide rim protection. And I was thinking about Turner, and I feel like that's uh, almost a similar case because he he really actually isn't that good at defending uh, a low post big. Um, he's he's fine at switching on guards, you know, 
pretty good at uh, actually being on the perimeter as far as for being a big man. But where you get the most value is him bringing that help defense and protecting the rim. And you can't center a defense around him like that. I say all this in recognizing that Indiana has a really good defense when him and Turner are t- or him and Sabonis are together. But it's usually Sabonis guards the low post guy and then Miles comes and tries to get the block. So I, I am a little worried that he he thinks too highly of himself. I mean, that that role that you're describing is sort of goes back to another thing that was in the news this week. You know, some criticism of Rudy Gobert where when it was gut check time, um, Rudy Gobert was guarding Jared Vanderbilt and not Carl Towns. And, you know, that Bogdanovich or wh- whoever it was guarding the, the, you know, elite big man. And so, and so I wonder if you can... You know, that, that issue that he's not a great one-on-one defender, he's still kind of, I guess, lanky, like doesn't have a, a strong center of gravity, which you kind of need to be a, a good post defender. I wonder if you can make that work in the way that the Jazz make Rudy Gobert work. Um, and they obviously do because he's, you know, for sort of the last few years been the, the most valuable defensive player in the regular season. And so I wonder if that's something you can do. And when you've got a guy like Zion, who's maybe he won't stay 330 pounds like he supposedly is at the moment, but is going to be a, a big solid body. You know, like he's going to be hard to move. If you're trying to post mm. up on, on Zion, um, you're not really going to move him. And that still frees up Miles Turner to guard the least threatening opposing player and bring help from there. I, I should just say the report was that he entered camp at 330. We don't know if he's gone down or up. Up at this point, there's been some pictures circulating uh, of Sion with uh, lesser clothes than than when when he's on the bench, and it's not looking obese. <laughs> I, I don't think he's at three three thirty anymore. Uh, probably closer to three hundred. Good to hear. Here, well, thinking about the other Pacers, I've been trying to think of some potential landing spots. And for Sabonis, what do you think the idea of him going to Memphis? You know, he can kind of be a second or third guy behind Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. Jaron, ideally, is a very similar player to Miles Turner, for, um, just, you know, defensive fit-wise and spacing-wise. What do you guys think of the idea of Sabonis going to, to a Memphis? Would that include uh, Steven Adams going to um, Indiana? Um, salary cap-wise... Or at least getting out of the way, right? Yeah, I think um, the, the way I did the deal on the trade machine did not include him. But you might be able to rework it a number of different ways is to include him. I just don't think that Steven Adams and Sabonis is a good match. Can you play them on the floor at the same time? I don't know. Probably not. But you you, you know, when you're sort of considering this kind of high level trade, I don't think you're asking like, okay, but how does he fit with our seventh best player? Yes. You know, those aren't the sort of decisions that you should be making. It's more like how does he fit with Jar and Jaron? And how do you think that fit is? I really like the fit with him and Ja and Jaron. Like Sabonis is a bruising rebounder, and Jaron doesn't rebound. Jaron can cover his defensive weaknesses. Sabonis, his shooting waxes and wanes, but as he's recently been named Player of the Week, uh, he was shooting 40% from three, albeit about two attempts over the past six games. But uh, he's shown shown it at touches, and then his passing, you put him with some cutters and some shooters. Like I think he could be really nice, and I think he could elevate them into maybe not the maybe not the phoenix or golden state stratosphere maybe a half a hair behind utah so like fourth in the west and it's kind of frisky if someone if you have some injuries or some bad luck and all those guys are young so as they develop maybe they can get up 
up to that top tier? I mean, I kind of like the fit with um, Jaron Jackson, and it would be kind of exciting to see Sabonis going to the Western Conference. Definitely don't hate uh, Sabonis in Memphis. Could be pretty exciting. Similar place, like in terms of the situation, I think that Atlanta Hawks could be pretty interesting as well. John Collins could be a pretty good fit alongside Sabonis, just like Jaron Jackson Jr. But I think John Collins is a little bit more like developed and ready to, uh, um, you know, make it work. I think Atlanta Hawks is a team that are ready to take the next step. And I think Sabonis could be uh, providing them with enough like firepower and like experience to um, really make an impact there. You, you guys know that I'm lower on Sabonis um, than than most people in a vacuum because I think he needs a very specific sort of scheme to fit in a specific surrounding cast, which is difficult to achieve. But one of that very specific type of surrounding cast that he needs is he needs to play beside a big man who can both protect the rim and shoot. Um, and there are very, very few of those guys in the league. But one of those guys is theoretically um, Jaron Jackson Jr., and so from that perspective, I think a team like Memphis where, you know, he can use his passing to create, you know, easier scoring opportunities for Jar and, you know, Jaron can, you know, Jaron can bomb, like he can get up a, a high volume of threes and, and hit enough to, to provide the space. And if Sabonis wants to do some work down low, um, and then you've got that um, sort of effect, like you said, Nate, of Sabonis is a little bit stronger, better at defending post-up players and much better at covering up, you know, for defensive weakness, defensive rebounding weakness in his teammates. Um, and then Jaron can provide the floor spacing and the, and the room protection. Um, so I think that's a, a pretty nice fit. The more I think about Sabonis, the more I think about Pau Gasol. And like Gasol, he got Memphis to the playoffs like four straight years and got swept every year by a better team. He he really raised their floor, but there was nothing he could do about the ceiling. And then I've been on a bit of a, a Gasol kind of research project for uh, for a site, Hoop Social, doing an all-time Lakers. Like you put him next to some better players and really get to accentuate his strengths and not focus so much on his weaknesses. Like being the third being the second guy just can do so much for some of these guys that I think I really focus on his strengths and you really focus on his weaknesses. And let's be honest, they're both true and both sides of him. He has some really glaring weaknesses. And I think if you move Sabonis down your pecking order to where he's your second or third guy, you just get so much more out of him than uh, trying to run everything through him and living and dying on what he does good and bad. Yeah, and out of out of interest, what sort of um return did you have in your in your fake trade for him? Because I think the most obvious analog is that if you look at what the Bulls had to give up for Vucevic, which was uh, I think Wendell Carter and a couple first round picks, like like multiple first round picks. What sort of um trade formation did you have for this theoretical Memphis deal? The theoretical Memphis deal I saw, um, and I saw a really great one. Uh, that had this as a three-teamer with um, Kyle Anderson going to Chicago. Um, but uh, oh, that, that's a great fit. Yeah, I really liked that one. Yeah, that, 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 that Kyle Anderson's like a perfect Chicago player. I love that one. I had to cut that part out for um, for my TikTok. Hook. Just, you know, trimmed it down just the two teams. But Kyle Anderson's an expiring contract, uh, so I don't think Indiana would be mad to take him back, but you could probably reroute him somewhere better. And then... Memphis actually has like this really interesting pick package where they own the Lakers pick, they own the Jazz pick, and um, they have their own pick. So they could send out three firsts, which 
they don't really have a young player that I really want to put in that. Like, as soon as you start talking Desmond Bain, you're not getting other picks. Maybe Santiel Dama. But you could give up these three picks, and they're all going to be non-lottery picks. Like, I don't think the Lakers are going to miss the playoffs. Whatever happens, like, I still have enough faith that they'll make the playoffs. So you're giving up three non-lottery picks for an all-star. That feels about the equivalent of one lottery pick, one non, and one kind of older former lottery pick. So that that would be my kind of weighing the scales, what they could give up. Yeah, like that that seems fair. And also to sort of get to the sort of the reality of NBA trades is like the GM has to win the press conference. And if you're trading away an all-star, Woj's tweet saying that they got three first round picks for him sounds impressive. Yeah. And then when you realize that those picks are, uh, sorry, they might also have Golden State's or no, sorry, they don't have Golden State. Yeah, they just have Utah. But like when you realize those picks are going to be 25, 20, and like 18, it, it gets less impressive quickly. But oh, it's all about winning the press it's, conference. It's, yeah, it's the first Woj tweet. That's the only one that people remember. Mm-hmm. When the fan, when Indiana fans see that they traded their best player and an all-star, it'll be that first tweet that will you know, sort of decide it for them. For a lot of people, it's the first tweet. Is What's in the first tweet? Three first-round picks? Okay, that, that seems fair. Yeah. What do you guys think about Karis Levert? I know, I know it's Indiana. I know we don't spend a ton of time talking about Indiana, but like Levert, in my mind, is is a two way wing that has a fair amount of scoring punch. Like it feels like he could actually be wanted by a lot of teams and might be able to get there pretty cheaply. So I've never I've never really been high on Karis Levert, but I actually read a pretty cool. It was on an article on the Athletic by Joe Warren, and he, uh, he reported that. Um, uh, the Pacers have actually been uh, out saying that they they like Colin Sexton. So, so we might actually see a trade Cleveland with Karis LeVert going to Cleveland and Colin Sexton going to Indiana. And and I kind of like that fit. Cleveland don't have that much um, like length on the wings. Mm-hmm. Isaac Okoro is, is kind of like, he's not that tall. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Cleveland, the team with a bunch of seven-footers? Yeah, but, but you know... <laughs> If you want to, like, Cleveland is a lot better than uh, I guess anyone would have thought, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, with the right, like, small retool, they, they could maybe become, like, really relevant as a playoff team in the East. So, like, if you can make a lineup that doesn't contain three seven-footers, I think they will have a legit, uh, like, opportunity to, to um, you know, do something this off uh, now. Not, not the offseason, do something in the playoffs. I think Kevin LeVert can help. But, but Nico, what if they trade for Bull Bull? And so then it's a lineup of four seven Bull Bull can run the points, so now that they don't need Ricky Rubio, who you th- thought wasn't tradable, uh, or at least you didn't want him to go uh, away from the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, that's that's it. It's not that he's untradable nah, nah, nah. because yeah. no one wants him. He's untradable because... Cleveland wants him so yeah, badly. Yeah. So, Nate, do you really want Bobol to take all his minutes? <laughs> I give more minutes to Bobol, or or send him down to the G League. Like let let Bull play thirty minutes a night in the G League. Every now and then, there's like this weird ass highlight where he's in. He's just owning everybody in in the like um, what's what, what's it called? Uh, not trash time, but like um, garbage time. Garbage time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's just all of a sudden looking like um, uh, just dunk, dunking on people and, and, and shooting long ass frees and stuff. I want to see him play. 
Denver has a lot of interesting young guys like Zeke Naji. Yeah. He just came out and firing that one game and then has been like a dud since right. Bones Highland started strong. And then uh, I want to say he's in health and safety now. Like, I, I guess I knew in my heart Denver would never tank, but I'm, I'm really sad to see them just kind of have this middle middle of the run season. Out of interest, um, ball ball in non-garbage time minutes. He's played 13 of them. Um, Denver nice. outscored by 49 points per 100 positions. <laughs> and give up 140 points. The data sort of backs up their current model of um, not playing ball ball. That's the definition of a garbage time superstar. <laughs> I almost wonder if like, you know, the way they track those is garbage time kicks in at X point. I, I wonder how much, you know, you started when it wasn't garbage time. And by the time you came off the court, they'd stopped counting because they're like, yep, it's officially garbage time. I mean, I mean, 13 minutes isn't really a, um, a statistically significant sample size either. Hey, it's it's probably like the fifth most used lineup for the Lakers with how much Vogel's been experimenting and how much in and out of the lineups they've had. Like it, I think it was two weeks ago, their most played lineup still had not hit 100 minutes together. Wow. It's, it's real bad. It's sort of... um. Like- figured out sort of a new starting lineup with um with THT, Avery Bradley. Who else is it that they're starting at the moment? I guess then just Russ LeBron and A D when he's when he's doesn't have a sore knee. Yeah, so it's been Dwight in, in AD's place that looked okay. Mm. Which speaking of looking okay, Poku, beautiful up and under move. You know, I don't know if he did anything else the entire rest of the game, but I looked up from my phone and boom, Poku was was getting buckets <laughs> or a bucket. I'm still back in. I'm fully in. Give me Poku. <laughs> he's like the garbage time superstar, but he's actually playing starter minutes. <laughs> Let's see um, how many points his team gets outscored by when he's on the floor. If you had to put down a bit, like would, would you take Poku making a legit starting lineup or Bobo first? <laughs> I think Poku making a legit starting lineup. Yeah, Bobo's on a good team as well, so like they're not going to play him. Oh my gosh, I forgot. I, I was totally going to prep and plan this better. But like, you know who balled out the other day? BJ Boston. Mm. All right. So I, I, I figured this out and I thought this would be fun. Would you rather, or actually, will be... All right. Nope, I got to figure out how to say this. You can tell I put a lot of thought into this. Over the next 10 years, which is more likely? BJ Boston being a rotation player for X amount of those years or the Boston Celtics making the playoffs. Sorry, which will happen more over the next 10 years? Oh. BJ being in a rotation regularly or the Celtics making the playoffs? Little Boston versus Boston rivalry? Exactly. And I've got four tiers of this. That was against Boston, his great game, right? That's what got this rolling. I mean, it's not looking too good in Boston at the moment. Uh, I, I could see some uh, huge changes this all season if uh, things are like not getting better. Um, but like ten years is a long period of time. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, how many how many times do you think Boston will make the playoffs in the next ten years? Six, seven? Did you say playoffs or, or like a finals? No, no, no just the playoffs. Play in doesn't count. You mm-hmm. actually have to make the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, I keep keep reading and, and hearing so much great stuff about BJ Boston. Uh, I kind of want to just like say BJ Boston, but um, I, I can't imagine a future where Boston Celtics isn't making like at least yeah eight eight out of ten years of uh, playoff ball with uh, Jason Tatum. Yeah, 
Yeah. Do you, do you know who else I've been reading a lot of good things about? Is like apparently Boston have these two pretty good players, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, um, who are like under team control. I mean, 10 years. That's basically like the rest of their careers. Like, could could uh-huh. I imagine Boston missing the playoffs with those two guys? Probably not. So I'd say that they probably have like, I don't know, like you said, seven or eight playoffs in the next 10 years. Wonder if maybe maybe BJ Boston gets um, slowed down a little bit. Gets his role eased up when um you know there are healthy veterans ahead of him. Man, so neither of you guys are going to take BJ on this. <laughs> I mean, all what he has to do is be in the rotation, you know, regular, you know, we'll, we'll say appearing in like most of the team's games, like sixty games, fifteen ish minutes a night. I think like both of those things are pretty yeah. likely. <laughs> okay, all right. So we're gonna move on to round two of this. Yeah. I figured out four rounds of this. Oh, no. in, the, in the next ten years, which will happen more? The Celtics making the second round or BJ being a uh, starter? Depends where, where, where BJ Boston will end up. Like if he's going to Oklahoma, he's just going to be a starter for the rest of his career. He, he's going to win a championship next to PG and Kawhi as the, as the third star in the starting lineup. All right, so Dylan's in on the hype. <laughs> <laughs> it's also so super hard because there's a lot of Eastern Conference teams that are getting so much better than I would have expected this season. Will this mm-hmm. trend like continue? I, I mean, I, I I can see a future where Boston Celtics is just knocked out of the first round in, in like the next five years because you know Chicago got better, Atlanta got better, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Yeah, so many good Eastern Conference teams at the moment, and and like Boston is just continually not improving that team. So Boston. Not making the first, the second round of BJ Boston being a starter. Is that, is that, that was the question, right? Yep, which is going to happen more times. Boston wow. making the second round, BJ being a starter. For for the majority of the games in a season, not starting 10 games. How good is BJ Boston right now? <laughs> he, had like, he had like one good game. <laughs> it, was like 20, it was 26 points, though. I mean, He had 26 was... points in one game, so he, he's, the, he's the future of the league. Um, I'm not quite sold on on one of the best second round picks of this year. Right, he was like a top ten high school recruit. He had a lot of favorables, good length. Like he just was raw, and I I forget what all of the knocks were on him. But like there was a lot of a lot of BJ expected hype that kind of fell away at a point. Yeah. Nico, just so we've got it, he is averaging six points, one rebound, and 0.4 assists. Is he starting right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, like, you know, uh, second round picks, uh, raw talent. I mean, he's basically Nikola Jokic, so uh, uh, <laughs> that could be a, a future starter. <laughs> I, I'm just going to pick Boston Celtics on this one. All right. Well, it's probably not worth doing, but round three. <laughs> All-star versus champion? All-star versus uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Ooh. Yeah, still still Eastern Conference Finals. All right, round four. If you said four. champion, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> All-NBA or making the finals. <laughs> Sorry, there are five rounds. Round five, MVP <laughs> or NBA champion. I mean, if you said like back to back, uh, all star, three Pete or MVP, three <laughs> Pete or Hall of Famer. <laughs> all right, Nate, we're losing listeners by the second. Um, what what do you got next for us? 
You don't think people tune in for BJ Boston takes? <laughs> <laughs> or for a Laker fan setting up scenarios where we can talk about the Celtics being terrible? <laughs> this was secretly an attempt to shit on the Boston Celtics. It's like, and I know, I know that's your favorite activity, Nate. <laughs> Who said anything about it being a secret? I'm pretty openly stating this. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, next up, we have a former Celtic. Kyrie Irving, The Athletic is reporting that uh, Irving may be closer returning than expected. Uh, and there's some chance. How much does this mean for Brooklyn? Like, they've been struggling. They need Kyrie badly. Um, Nate, I haven't followed this. Like, uh, how how does he return? Like, is the uh, like COVID uh, rules in New York not as strict as before? Or is he getting vaccinated? Or what's the case? The COVID rules are not changing, to my knowledge, so he would have to be getting vaccinated. Huh. Hmm. I guess he's um totally satisfied now that the voiceless have been have been heard. <laughs> also, his independent research has concluded. <laughs> this, yeah. this whole time, Kyrie was at home just like studying up on on chemistry, oh, biology. <laughs> That's my what he's been doing all this time <laughs> since since he can't play. He's just at home. <laughs> doing 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 studies <laughs> calling in different experts hosting um seminars and panels with various um experts in the field and he's now concluded his his studies so we'll be getting the vaccine how, how much has your impression of Kyrie changed this season um not much <laughs> and quite a bit to be honest <laughs> like up up until this year like he was just sort of like a somewhat I guess unreliable, but still superstar player. But now, like, wait, that's exactly what he's been this year. Is unreliable. No. <laughs> I, I said somewhat unreliable superstar player. <laughs> but this year, it's like if I was like a team training for him, I would just have no confidence that he would play for us or that he wouldn't leave us at the next opportunity. So I think he's just totally unpredictable, and, and for that reason, like you know, say like the fake trades of Simmons for Kyrie. Kyrie is like a way, way, way better player than Ben Simmons and like a really good fit with Embiid. But he's got like two years on his contract. One. He's, he's done after this. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so like if, if I was doing that, I'd be like, well, I, I just would not trade for him because like even if everything went perfectly and like he was having a great time, I would just have no confidence that I'd be able to keep him or like that I'd even know how to convince him to stay and so like my my opinion of him has changed in that way and that like he's gone from just being like you know a guy that's going to go away for a week to just like you have no idea what this guy's going to do like he's as likely to retire as to sign a contract extension and you know play it out like assuming Kyrie doesn't just retire next season how much do you pay Kyrie Irving if if you're a team looking for point guard okay let, let, let's let's say uh Let's say like Philadelphia next season tries to uh, sign Kyrie. Yeah. Let, let's not mind the contract issues and stuff. But like, do you pay him like uh, the max again? Yeah. It's like, can you give this guy $120 million when you like don't even know if he will ever play for you? I don't think you can. I think you really have to go into this with like a hard, uh, a hard stance of, hey, we can't wrap up that much of our cap on a guy that, that we never are going to know about. Or you, you put in a lot of like negotiations in his contract. And like, here's the thing I love some of what Kyrie does and stands for. And, you know, I, I, I want to be clear like, 
players deserve the right to stand up for what causes players want to stand up for. They also deserve to be judged on the merit of those issues. This has always been my like number one thing with sports adv- like sports advocacy is like Colin Kaepernick knelt and people freaked out of like, oh, why is he protesting like this? That is not the problem. The, the, like we need to talk about the issue. What Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for? Great. Let's let's have that discussion. What Kyrie is is sitting out for? We can have this discussion. It's not a great thing to be advocating for. Or like if Kyrie wants to do this and say he was, hey, I'm going to step away from the game because of police brutality. And like, I think my voice is better. There've been a lot of WNBA players who have actually made that call and are working in the community and are trying to like reform police violence in America. That's totally fine and valid. But when you're saying, hey, I'm going to step away because people are refusing to take medicine that will help them and their community. Oh, okay, Kyrie, we're, I'm going to look at you, you some different way. Yeah, I think like the one redeeming part about Kyrie's nonsense is that you sort of know it's coming from a good place. Like he That's may true. come to like a, a, you know, a bad um, outcome or a bad conclusion, but like it's, it's from, a, you know, his heart's in the right place. It's from a good, it's from a good place. That's true. That's true. Assuming that everything that he's saying is true, like assume that he actually is concerned about people losing their livelihood and he's not just using that as, you know, that seems like a sympathetic excuse. That's fair. Would you feel any sort of way about him returning if you're one of his teammates? I mean, if he's returning and and, and putting out 20 points per game, if I'm Kevin Durant, I wouldn't mind. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that'd be fine. (laughs) But but I get get what you mean. Like, uh, is he really a part of the team anymore? I don't know. We can see if it'll happen, but you know who won't be seeing games are Bulls fans for the next couple of days because they've had so many players enter health and safety protocols that they can no longer field a team. The The NBA announced that they're postponing the next two Bulls games. Nice. Yeah, it's about time. I'm, yeah. I, 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 was, um, I don't remember who tweeted it. It was some ESPN guy. He said that in, in the, the recent like five or seven games, Bulls have been missing the equivalent of 88 points per game from players out from COVID. So like that's basically like all their starters and stuff. I I haven't like really followed uh, the Bulls, but seems like there is no Bulls team anymore, right? Yeah. So so just looking at health and safety, uh, looks like uh, our first guy to drop was Kobe White. um, And then just contact tracing throughout the league. Uh, We lost, or not we, but they lost... Devontae Green, um, DeMar DeRozan, Matt Thomas, who I, I don't know who he is, uh, Derek Jones Jr., Zach Levine, A.O., and Troy Brown. So they're short uh, nine players, plus Patrick Williams, who's been injured and out for the year. So uh, their roster's been been running pretty deep. But a bad time for them, too, because they were really like on a roll. seems like this is the only thing that could stop the Bulls. Yeah, I do worry about the plan for postponing these games. And like they, they've said that they're canceling the Pistons and the Raptors games this week. The Eastern Conference, pretty close, you know, location wise. So they could be pretty easy to squeeze back in at a later point in the season. Um, but Chicago is in line to be a playoff team, most likely, in all, all probablyhood. Um, so those final games could matter. And just getting squeezed in and trying to play a bunch of games games, uh, in close succession could be kind of detrimental for them. I mean, it would be sad to see that COVID is the reason for the Bulls sucking or like get back to sucking. Yeah, that'd be sad. 
Dylan, would you take a victory lap if uh, if Chicago doesn't make the playoffs? <laughs> that, that, that's, that's what I was thinking. This, this is exactly what I was predicting. Is like <laughs> Chicago. I, I know that they don't have the discipline to not have a, a virus outbreak on their team, and and so when I said that they weren't going to make the playoffs or that they were going to be a play-in team, I actually did know that they would have a team-wide outbreak. You know, I, I heard the the rumor around the league that a lot of the guys like they don't wash their hands. You know, I, I have good sources that that say that Zach Levine doesn't sneeze into his elbow. <laughs> and and so I really am not surprised by this. I did, did see this coming. I, I hate to be that guy, but I actually do know like uh, Alex Caruso licks his fingers. <laughs> like that oh, is a thing if you watch the game. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, if, if he had high five Zach Levine, I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah. No, but he's licking his fingers before he like shoots, so he's passing the ball around with his oh. yeah. <laughs> with his COVID saliva. Damn. Yeah. Although, to be fair, Caruso is one of the players not in health and safety protocols. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's one of the healthy players. He's gonna carry this team to the playoffs by himself. <laughs> I don't know if he's figured out a way to sabotage it, and then like he's got yeah. someone else doing the cotton swabs. Maybe that same LeBron fan is like, all right, don't worry, man, I got you. <laughs> so, so Caruso's getting some extra minutes, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's bad shape out there. I hope I hope we don't see it, you know, kind of go throughout the league, and let's hope we keep uh, keep postponements down to a minimum. Mm. Well, it's good to see that they they are doing that, and we aren't gonna see like a Chicago Bulls G League team play against. Uh, other teams yeah because like that that would hurt them so much it would be kind of fun though if they just had to like pull a bunch of like free agents together <laughs> yeah. you know it's like all right shabazz napier you're starting at the one get tyler johnson at the two hey maybe isaiah <laughs> thomas can get back in the league yeah. this was his only shot imagine the practice uh when, when all the COVID guys are getting back and like just 30 players at practice yeah <laughs> have have either of you guys ever seen the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves? No, I don't recall. No. So the basic um, premise is that like the NFL goes on strike uh, and they hire a bunch of like replacement level players and like G League players. And Keanu is this like washed out quarterback that I think he had an injury and so he never played in the pros. And this is like his one chance at redemption. Yeah. And, you know, of course, there's like hijinks, like they bring in the soccer, the washed up European soccer player to be the kicker. And they uh, they had a guy that like robbed a store and he was just super fast. And they're like, man, this guy <laughs> ran from the cops. Like, let's bring him in uh, and then just like put stick him on his hand so you can catch a football. Uh, but it's it's legitimately like one of my favorite football movies or sports movies. And um, it's it's hilarious. I, I guess I'm saying all this to say, give us the NBA version in real life. Let's let's make Chicago play this with a bunch of G League guys. I'm in. Yeah, we could make make like a a list of the players you should sign if you're hit by COVID. Ooh, I mean that that could be really interesting. I think I'd have to know way more about some minor league cap mechanics of like you know can you you can't just poach a guy from the Euro League like um who is that big guy uh ed traverse or uh like i'm gonna find him <laughs> uh the barcelona center yeah eddie traverse maybe not <laughs> dude seven foot three uh i forget who the prospect was on his team what it might have been usman garuba but i was just i was watching them play last season and like 
guy was swatting every shot. I was, yeah, that's, that's him. Yeah, I think he was actually in the NBA at some point. Yeah, he was drafted by the Cavs and and right. washed out. He he wasn't mobile enough back then. But oh, I I got really into those highlights. It's a, if there was a way for a team to snag him, that'd be fun. Yeah. All right, 24 minutes per game, 12 points, seven rebounds, basically two blocks in the Euro League. Like, you mean to tell me that that wouldn't help some NBA team? That guy could be could be something nice. He's almost 30, so just a one-off, but let him have that year. Yeah. Well, we do have uh, another list of players. Not quite guys to sign if you were uh, out missing players for COVID, but guys that you really wished you signed. Uh, Tim Bontemps did a kind of straw poll of 100 likely MVP voters. And right now, their returns are Curry at one, Durant at two, Giannis three, Chris Paul at four, and then uh, Nikola Jokic at five. How do you guys feel about that rankings? And is there anyone else that you would put on there? I think that's that's probably spot on. And the I think the most notable thing from that is that the margin with which Steph Curry was the number one selection. You know, this is a poll of 100 likely MVP voters and Steph Curry got 94 of those first place votes. So the big takeaway, I think, for me is that just that Curry is running away with, with MVP right now. Who was the second? Durant. Durant, okay. Hmm. Yeah, KD had two first place votes and in 61 seconds, which was the most second place votes. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, I would also just like feel that Steph Curry really deserved it this season so far. But I kind of have a feeling that Giannis is, is like... He's sneaking up on him? Yeah, I think he's going to have a really good like second half of the season. Seems like he's ramping up uh, a bit. Um, so he could be... I think he could overtake him in Durant. But could he sneak up on Steph Curry? I don't know. Depends if Steph Curry can like stay healthy. If he can p- keep this play up, I mean, sure, just give it to him. It's interesting to be at this point in the season and to have such a clear favorite. Like this, at this point last year when, when Bontemps did his first um, straw poll, it was like almost a three-way tie between Embiid, LeBron and Jokic. And so it's it's quite unusual for it to be this early in the season and for just all the voters to be like, nah, this is a, a one-horse race. How do you feel about Paul George just kind of being completely shut out of these discussions? Yeah, I mean, the Clippers are like a fifth and he's missed some games. So that's, that's probably where a lot of that's come from. He did get two fifth place votes, so he, he wasn't totally off the board. He's missed three games. I mean, come on, LeBron's missed more games than that. I guess LeBron's not in this discussion. Yeah. <laughs> did Bontemps say how many, uh, or if LeBron got anything? Uh, LeBron did not get anything. Oof. Um, I've, I've got every player that got at least one vote. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Zach Levine, Joel Embiid, Paul George, Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Chris Paul, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry. So you're trying to tell me Jared Allen didn't get any point, any votes? Yeah, nor Ricky Rubio. I, I guess it's just because they kind of split the vote, right? So people couldn't decide, right, oh, do right. I give it to Ricky Rubio? Do I give it to Jared Allen? And so they just settled on Nikola Jokic instead. I, I love basketball reference. Like the amount of time I spend on that site is probably not healthy for my marriage. But uh, their their MVP tracker has Giannis at one, Curry at two, Jokic at three, Durant mm. at four, and Paul at five. So the exact same five, but but a different order. And, and the reason why I, I say Jared Allen is because he is he is the eighth guy on their tracker. Honey, mm. Jared Allen. Yeah. I don't know how they weight <laughs> things, 
but I'm guessing the fact that his uh, true shooting percentage is incredibly high and uh, he gets rebounds, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure if there's some statistical model that points to him. If I had to pick a Cavaliers player, I'd think that Darius Garland would, would, would be the player to pick. See, the, the interesting thing is that you actually don't have to pick a Cavaliers player. Um, <laughs> so you, you don't have to have either of those guys in your top 10 in MVP votes. Makes sense. I don't know. If I have to pick a Cavalier, I'm picking Evan Mobley. Yeah. Sat out for four games. They got four losses. Kind of kind of sus to me. How close is he to, like, can we, can we just call him the rookie of the year already? Or is there, a, like, how does he do his chances to to get the rookie of the year award? Providing guys. It's like a 94% chance. Yeah. Is he on Steph Curry levels? He's, he's real skinny. So, I mean, like, I, I just don't want to see him get injured. I don't want to jinx it by saying it's it's like a 100% chance. But provided everyone stays healthy and guys stay relatively at this level, he will win the vote in a landslide. Um, and there's no reason for me to think he is going to regress or Barnes is going to make a mid-season leap. Cade, Cade has continued to progress. Yeah, he's coming on. He could make it look close in the end. I'm always like three games behind when watching the Pistons because of that league pass uh, rule. But God. like three games ago, he was he was pretty good. <laughs> Case last six games, he averaged 22 points per game, five rebounds, four assists, and almost two steals. So so Kate definitely making strides. Yeah, this is gonna be a much better draft class than I thought. I, I when I did my scouting last year, I was like, man, I don't I don't see it what what they see. Um, and I guess. To be fair, I'm still not seeing a ton of it in the like the deeper section of the draft. But that top end, that that one through five, four um, is really good. And Kaminga, I'm still 100% in on Kaminga. So not, not to know. mention second round pick BJ Boston. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's it's debatable whether Future he will rotation be an MVP level player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there have been debates over whether he will someday be an MVP. Yeah. I mean, there, there were there were doubts if if you were gonna be the MVP of the league or Boston was going into the finals. So that's something. Yeah, I mean, I I I argue it is more likely that he is an MVP than Boston wins a championship. I just I just think that's that's the statistical likelihood of the Celtics winning another championship in the next ten years. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a good place to call it. We'll let Nico go to bed. Nice. Well, I'm always down to end. Uh, I'm always down to end things on a little bit of Celtics hate. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Another episode of the Hoops Temple Pod. Like us on Facebook. Find us on TikTok and uh, email us. Especially, you know, if you want to get on the pod, email us why you guys first got into the NBA, what you love about the NBA. Just a quick audio clip. We'd love to have it on the pod. Thanks, everyone. And life goes on. 